Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger. Execute wrath on him who practices evil. Do you hear who is the avenger? It's not the individual. It's the appointed government. It's those in society that hold these roles. It's the judges, the law enforcement, the law of the land. It's these, and God has put those in place for the purpose of of dealing with offenses that have been committed against us by other people. But what Jesus was challenging in this was the wrong thinking. He was challenging the wrong thinking people had attached to these provisions. And he was making clear that this was not about how we as individuals are are free to treat each other, you see. How, How we as God's people personally respond to wrongs committed against us is a completely different matter altogether than the way society does it. And and had people not cherry-picked Scripture to suit their own purposes, nothing's new under the sun. We love to do that too, right? To cherry-pick the verses that, that work for us and then to take them out of their context. But if they had not done that, they would have realized that this was the case even with the law of the Old Testament because God basically told them in Leviticus 19.18 the exact same thing that Jesus is now saying to them here in our passage in Luke and what he said to them in Matthew. Listen what he says there, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. You you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus hasn't changed the word. He didn't change the thing. He's expanding it in their minds of how it's to be lived out. God is clear in his word, Old Testament and new, that individuals, individuals were to leave justice in the hands of society as a whole, who he had ordained to enforce justice and not in the individual hands of his people to enforce it on their own. Is that making sense? Do you get it? In fact, when when they suffered wrongs committed against them, even though society might need to deal with those offenders, as individuals, they were to show love instead. Love demonstrated by showing mercy and grace and forgiveness. I I hope you understand that, that, that people can be held responsible for wrongs committed against you. If a, if a thief breaks into your house or, or someone does something horrible to you, that, that they can be held responsible for that. And yet at the same time, you can also forgive them and show personal mercy and grace towards them at the same time. You can do that. Love, forgiveness, mercy, grace does not mean people are not accountable. They are. It just means that you, you in your own heart will not hold it to their account. And that's key. You know, I remember that, uh, I don't remember the names, but I know last year there was a court case of a young man who had been murdered. And the mother, I think it was, got up on the stand. And even though the person that committed the murder, it was clear he'd done it and was about to be sentenced. And there was no plea by the mother to release him from the sentence. And the sentencing came, but the mother got up and she said to him, You've taken away something from me I can never have back, but I forgive you. But I forgive you. And my first thought was, man, there's a woman who probably knows the Lord. She's giving forgiveness, and yet 
understood that that didn't mean that she had to go to the judge and say, you need to let him off. It's not the case. You know, it's not the case. Both can happen at the same time. One has to do with your heart. The other has to do with the justice that needs to be served. And they're two very different things. You cannot be the determiner of justice in your own hearts. And that's exactly what he's saying. And so now Jesus clearly felt the need to clarify this point because the people were using these laws to justify their individual actions of extracting judge justice from other people on their own. They were misapplying these corporate laws to fulfill their own sinful desires for individual retribution and vengeance. Sinful man was doing with the law of God what always sinful man seems to do. Distort God's intent by reinterpreting it from their own sinful frame of reference. But Jesus came to reveal that wrong application to them and and to teach them God's heart behind the laws that they were misapplying and distorting. And here in our passage, he's telling them that God's heart is that they would personally treat their enemies in ways that they didn't deserve to be treated, in ways that they themselves wanted to be treated. You want to know what the standard is? How would you want to be treated? How would you want to be treated? In, in ways that God himself has treated them and, and us, right? In, in, in ways we don't deserve to be treated. Society's response, which God made provision for in the law, was not to be the response of the individual then or now. And, and to help you clarify what our response should be, Jesus gives these different illustrations in this passage, which simply convey, if they hate you, don't repay them with hate. Show them love instead. If they hate you, don't repay them with hatred. Show them love instead. Oh, my. How do we do that? <laughs> you know, how do we do that? That's asking too much. It's, it, it's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard for us. As human beings, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. It's through Jesus living in us. It's, it's through his spirit at work in us. It's through the new heart he's given us that it becomes possible. He enables us, if we'll depend on him, to see, if we'll listen, to see people as he sees them, even the most vile of people as he sees them, even those who hate us as he sees them. Remember, Jesus is the one who, while hanging upon the cross, that sinful men intentionally placed him on, lying about him, using all kinds of wrong things against him in order to murder him. And he's hanging on the cross, and what does he cry out? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus saw beyond the hate. Jesus saw beyond the evil and the sin, and and what he saw was ignorant human beings who didn't know any better, who were the way they were because of the corrupting effect that sin had upon them. He could have struck them dead in that moment. Do you know that? You know, they taunted him about, well, Jesus, you know, if you're really the son of God, call on the angels and you could come down from the cross. And he didn't. Ha, 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 you can't do that. You know what? He could have. He could have. He wouldn't even needed the angels. He could have just pulled himself, spikes out, and gotten right down and done that. And he could have slew all those people around him who were doing this to him, and yet he chose not to do that. He chose not to extract vengeance upon them. What he chose to do instead was to love them instead, love that compelled him to show mercy and forgiveness in his own heart. It's, it's, it's only with Jesus' dwelling in us and through his Holy Spirit and our willingness to yield to him that we're ever going to come to see what Jesus sees in that person who hates us so much and has so wrongly treated us. When you see what Jesus sees, 
You, 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 you won't return hatred for hatred, but instead you'll return love for hatred. When you see what Jesus sees, you'll begin to bless those who curse you. When you see what Jesus sees, you will begin finding yourself praying for those who spitefully used and mistreated you. When you see what Jesus sees, you'll find yourself turning the other cheek when they strike out at you instead of just striking back at them. When you see what Jesus sees, you'll find yourself wanting to let go of things that they're taking away from you because they as people will become more important to you than the material stuff that they're taking from you. You'll realize that the things they are taking aren't worth fighting for as much as fighting for their soul is. It's interesting. I think back to, you know, Y2K. <laughs> and we're seeing a lot of that in this day, some of the same responses to it. But I remember many of my Christian friends were beginning to store up their guns and their ammo and, and all kinds of stuff. And I said, why are you doing that? And they said, well, listen, this is not an anti-gun message, just so you know that, okay? I'm an army guy. What do you think? But, you know, <laughs> and the response I heard is, well, people might come and try to take my stuff when they have the opportunity to do it. I said, so you're going to go out and shoot your neighbor who's coming over because they need food. Really? You know, it caused people to stop and think for a minute. Now, look, I understand self-protection. There is, there is, you know, the right to self-defense. You know, Jesus doesn't even take away from that. But, but that's not what was in the hearts of people. And it's not what I'm seeing in the hearts of people today. It's almost like, it's almost like we want them to come ahead. Come ahead. You know, come on over here and see what happens. It's not the heart of Jesus. When you begin to see what Jesus sees, you're going to realize that all that stuff that you possess is not nearly as important as the soul of that person. And when you see what Jesus sees, you're going to find yourself wanting to help them when they ask for help, even though they've done nothing to deserve that help. Why? Because you're seeing and you're relating to them as Jesus sees and relates to them. And also because you'll realize that Jesus isn't, isn't asking you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself, right? He was cursed, but he blessed. He was struck, but he turned the other cheek. He, he had everything stolen from him, but he willingly let go of it all. He willingly helped when the undeserving asked him for help, even though they didn't deserve that help. Folks, as you yield yourself to his spirit dwelling in you, I promise this, you will find yourself doing what Jesus did. You'll find yourself with the same heart, the same mind as he has. It might be hard for you to do in your flesh, but he's given you his spirit so that you don't have to do it in your flesh, so that you don't have to lean upon your own understanding. But the question is, are you willing to hear what it is he's saying? Because that's how he started this portion of the passage. Those who hear None of this is natural to us as human beings. It's not natural to me, just so you know that. But, but, but Jesus is offering to lift us above what's natural to us as fallen human beings to a different way of thinking and living that reflects God's heart, which he wants to write on our hearts and will write on our hearts if we yield and submit to him. Does this mean we have to be pacifists? No, it's not at all. Does this mean that, that, that it's, I, I need to not report somebody if they do something wrong? No. Does it mean I shouldn't defend myself if I need to? No. It's not that. But if you're hearing what Jesus is saying, you understand you can't make it about those things in your own heart. Well, look at what Jesus says next as he finishes up this discussion. Look at verse 32. 
But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Jesus now continues with a convicting challenge, a challenge especially given to those who think they're living spiritually good lives for God, right? You say you're displaying love by loving those who love you? Why should God recognize that, Jesus is saying? Even sinners do that much, right? You say you're displaying love by doing good to those who do good to you? Why should God recognize that? Even sinners do that much. You, you say you're displaying love by lending to those in need, but you're only lending to those who you know will give it back to you? Why should God recognize that? Even sinners are willing to do that much. As sinful human beings, we are so good at twisting things around to make ourselves look so much better than we really are, right? We, we change the rules, we, we, we make it easier for ourselves to, to do things so that we come to believe things about ourselves that simply do not reflect the truth about us. We lower the standard and then say, look how we're exceeding it. That's what we do. I relate to that completely because I like to play PlayStation. If you've been around a while, you know that. I love playing PlayStation. Nah, I don't play all the violent stuff. I love playing PlayStation football, basketball, baseball, all kinds of stuff. But the one thing I hate doing is I hate losing. I feel so miserable when I lose. So what I do is I go into the settings and I lower the settings and the changes so that I'm always, man, I'm hitting home runs out of the park every time I get up to bat, you know, touchdowns every pass, you know, and by the end of the game, I've won 100 to three and I'm feeling pretty good about myself because look how good I am at this game. But that's what we as human beings do. That's exactly what we do. We lower the bar so that we can exceed the bar and make ourselves feel good and also to make ourselves look better in the eyes of others when in reality it's not reflecting the truth about us. But God sees us for who we are. <laughs> he sees right into our hearts and he says to us, don't change my parameters, measure up instead. Don't lower the bar. Let the bar here and, and learn what I'm going to show you to get to that bar. And he sent Jesus so that we could do that. He sent Jesus so that that would be possible. With Jesus living in us through his spirit, by learning to walk more and more in dependency upon his spirit, learning to yield more and more to the power of his spirit, we will find ourselves being stretched towards those divine standards rather than having to dumb them down to our level but we need Jesus to first confront us with the truth and the reality about how far short we fall so that we'll accept the truth about ourselves and look to him to enable us to be what we should be but never can be apart from him. And that's what he's doing with the crowd as he's talking to them. He's not trying to make them feel bad. He's just giving them a reality check. You say you display love by loving people, but you're only loving those who love you? Really? And you think somehow it makes you spiritual? You think that's right? You, you say you're displaying love by doing good to those people, but it's only the people who do good to you? Really? You think that makes you spiritual? Something's amiss here. Well, look on. He goes on in verse 35. But love your enemies, do good, 
and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And, and that is what Jesus wants to enable them and us to do and to be, right? He wants to enable us to love our enemies, to, to lend to them without expecting anything in return, seeking only the reward and the exultation that comes from God alone, that, that God alone will give us as we live and reflect his ways and not our own fleshy ways. And if we yield to him, he will make us sons of the Most High God, thinking as he thinks. That's the implication will be a reflection of him, as a child would be of their parent, you know? thinking as he thinks and, and, and responding as he responds and showing kindness and mercy even to the undeserving, especially to the undeserving, like us. But first he challenges us to see the reality of our lives and to stop propping ourselves up and thinking ourselves spiritual when in reality we aren't living the heart of God. We're not living it. His ways are truly not our ways. And the challenge that Jesus is laying before them and that he's laying before us here this morning is to choose his ways over our ways. And that's what it comes down to. We're going to live the way you want or the way he wants. It's your choice. I am truly heartbroken, again, by the way I see Christians responding right now to things in our own society. I really am. I'm grieved more than I've been in, in all of my walk with the Lord over the years. I've walked with the Lord since 1975. I've never seen what I'm seeing in hearts of people today. And it's not just because I'm getting older and the world is going to hell in a handbag and the church, right? It's, it's just, there's a hardness. There's a cold heartedness that's creeping in. We're great. And, and I see it. We're great at loving those who love us back, but, but the rest of the world around us, well, that's another matter altogether. Can we love the unlovable. Can we love the unlovable? Can we love those who do not love us in return? Can we love those who disagree with us? Can, can we especially love those who hate us and even mistreat us? That's the greater measure of where we are in our walk with Jesus than anything else. And, and I think we're really falling short of that measurement as his people right now. And, you know, Jesus, I, I do think he's waiting. I know he's waiting to do something about that. If we'll hear, if we will hear, and if we'll yield to what he's saying to us about it. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil, therefore... Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I am learning. And boy, if you think this message is at you, you do not know the conviction I have felt as I have moved through this passage, just studying it on my own. I do think the Lord is changing my heart. I do believe that. But I can look back a number of years ago, and it was not the case. Somebody did something to rude to me on, I always pick on the interstate, right? Because I just, I can be an aggressive driver at times. But, you know, if somebody did something to me rude on the interstate, man, I'd want to catch up and cut them off. If somebody wanted to argue and put the period on the end of the sentence, I'd want to get an exclamation point on the end of the sentence with them. If somebody wanted to take me on, in particular on social media, boy, I'd be the first one to become combative. 
But you know what? I just realized that I accomplished nothing for the kingdom in doing that. Not one thing. And, and, and as the Lord is changing my heart on this, you know, I just find it even in my conversations with people. And I, I know we're so fearful, you know, in particular right now and in our society because of the way things are going and what people are doing, that if we show mercy and kindness and grace to someone who just holds a position that's diametrically opposed to ours, that somehow we're condoning that. That's, that's nonsense. It's nonsense thinking. It doesn't mean we're condoning it. We're condoning it if we say, that's great. Yeah, that's a good lifestyle. Go for it. But it doesn't mean that we need to see them as our enemy and we need to go after them for it. That we need to spend our time trying to convince them. Jesus is the one that will convince them. Jesus is the one that will open their eyes. And you and I, and I say this all the time anymore, we're his ambassadors. We're here to give them the hope of Jesus. But how can we do that if we hate them? How can we do that if we're cutting them off? How do we do that if just the moment they say anything, we're slamming them with a fist? I don't want to do that. I don't want to compromise, and I won't compromise. You know, I talked about that even here in the fellowship and said, you know, we, we grappled years ago. What are you going to do if somebody walks through the door and they're living in openly? Well, I mean, you could pick anything, but you'll have it, lots of things in your minds when I say this. They're living an openly sinful lifestyle. What are we going to do with that? And the implication had always been we need to close their doors and tell them to go on until they're repentant. Then they can come back. My answer is how are they going to hear the Word of God? How are they going to hear it? If you're walking in a blatant, sinful lifestyle, we're not going to embrace you for ministry or fellowship in the same way as we would a fellow believer. And, and if you're a professing believer, I've often said this before, when you get to the Matthew 18 model and you get to the end of that, it says what? If they don't receive what you're saying, that you treat them as an unbeliever. We don't pass judgment on them of being an unbeliever. Only God can do that. But we treat them in the same way we would an unbeliever. And what do we do with unbelievers? Tell them to go away? No. We lead them to Jesus. We lead them back to Jesus because when we're living in those kind of lifestyles, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the person and the source of life. There's a disconnect between the person and the source of righteousness. When you're connected to the, to the vine, when you're connected to Jesus, righteousness will flow. Love will flow. Right things will flow. And we're here to lead people back to that relationship. That's what we want to do. Now, if they're a danger to the flock, if they're a danger to you, they pose a danger to the congregation, that's a completely different matter altogether. But now I say that in the context of the church, but I'm looking at you and say, why would it be any different for you in your private life with people that you deal with? I talk to people on Facebook all the time who I've known for years, and they're not believers, and someone can get quite contentious at times. And you know what? I've learned to just listen to them and to challenge them you know, and to ask questions back. But I try not to become combative with them. You know, I try to not be combative with them. Just imagine an ambassador to this country coming from, pick some country in the world, right? Some docile country. No, I'd say Germany, but they can be tough too, right? But some country in the world, come to the United States and all they are is combative. They get called into a meeting and all they want to do is fight. What kind of representative are they? Not at all. This is what we have to think about. What's our calling? What's our identification in Jesus? We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We live righteously. We, 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 we communicate the true standards of the kingdom to people. And yet at the same time, we're his ambassadors. And ambassadors operate with grace. They operate with grace. Truth and grace, right? 
both. We always get to those extremes where we take one out of the equation. We either it's all truth and no grace or it's all grace and no truth. And that's completely out of balance. It's truth and grace. We present both. And when we do that, we will be absolutely in balance. And by the way, we can present truth to people and still not hate them. We can present truth to people and still not get angry at them. We can present truth to them and even have them push back in our face. And we can just rest at night knowing at least I've shared truth with you. And that's what I say to people, to be honest with you, if they want to get in my face. I just look at them and say, look, I just communicated to you what the Bible says. You know, your problem is not with me, it's with that. But I've done my part. I've told you. What you do with it, it's up to you. You know, it's your choice, but understand there's consequences to the choices we have in this life. I think when we begin to understand these things, it changes how we view people. Amen? And as far as your personal interactions with people in your life who've offended you, we're going to come back to that next week because Jesus is going to say some things about judgment and condemnation and everything else that I think will really set you free in a lot of ways because I do think that there's a prison that we put ourselves into in the process that has to do with forgiveness. And uh, it, it comes up. It's one of the reasons forgiveness is, is mentioned in the Bible so often, because it is an issue for believers in many cases. And unforgiveness does not lead to good things in our lives. And we'll come back and we'll deal with that next week. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.